Today on the Topping Show, Bud Light is forced to buy back their beer and loses its 100% LGBTQIA score. Chevron to buy Rival for $7 billion. Kava to file an IPO. Blue Origin wins a $3.4 billion contract with NASA. Disney Star Wars Hotel is shutting down. The European Union finds Facebook $1.3 billion. TikTok sues the state of Montana. And Target has a recall of 4.9 million deadly candles. All of that and much, much more on The Topping Show. Thank you for taking the time to tune in today. Today's episode of the Topping Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value added reseller and services company with a special proficiency in IT security. Heck, I see the founder at least twice a day. Gotta say he's quite handsome and brilliant. He's me, that's the joke. If you're an IT leader or a business owner, use a little assistance. You can reach the team at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Now, going on to the business part of the podcast, you have Chevron making a $7 billion acquisition. One of the oldest as well as the largest companies in oil history. Chevron's been around since nine, actually 1879, known as Pacific Coastal Oil at the time, from 1879 to 1906. They're then Standard Oil of California from 1906 to 1984. And then they were Chevron Texaco Corporation from 2001 to 2005. So they've been around for quite some time. And specifically, they're buying their rival shale producer, PDC Energy, for $7.6 billion, as noted by Reuters. Now, PDC could definitely use an upgrade on their marketing because that is a very uninspiring name, PDC. Chevron, at least, that's at least a unique name as well as the actual shape. Nevertheless, you have this sale is going to be all in stock and debt transi- transaction. Chevron is the second largest oil company in the, in the United States. This will help dramatically increase their production. The current deal of values, Denver, Denver-based based PDC, at $72 per share, giving them about a 14% premium on its 10-day average trading, which ended last Friday. The actual merger and the sale is supposed to close by the end of the year. Obviously, we have acquisitions of such magnitude. That's going to take a lot of paperwork and a lot of collaboration for the actual deals signed off on. And of course, they'll probably take years of technology and the businesses to fully incorporate with each other, depending on how smoothly and how quickly their, trans- their transition team can work. Now, this acquisition will add 260,000 barrels of oil and gas production per day bowed to Chevron's output in the DJ Basin, making its operations in Colorado one of the company's top five business assets in terms of production. So hopefully as long as they keep getting those permits to drill, baby drill, gas might go down someday. Maybe we'll get that nice affordable gasoline. Now, not just the age of myself, but back in my day, I remember my parents balked when it was a dollar... 94 a gallon and when i was trying to learn how to drive it was up to like three dollars a gallon which is astronomical to us especially driving just a little 2001 honda honda accord four banger or four cylinder engine it's like we just couldn't imagine three dollars three fifty three hundred three dollars fifty cents per gallon and of course to this day you go to california and other states where gosh darn it's like seven dollars and sixty cents for a gallon now, interestingly enough, California does not have the highest tax per gallon. That's actually Pennsylvania, interestingly enough. But in California, it has to have special treatments to it to make it more better for the environment to be able. But that's why it's so expensive in California. There's a monopoly or duopoly. There's only one or two refineries that's allowed to actually refine the petrol to California standards. And, of course, it's a joke in terms of it's less efficient. Jay Leno has a rolling joke on his car show where he says, 
it's California gasoline. You, you can't even throw a match on it, and it'll it won't. You, you throw a match, it still won't ignite because it's less potent. Now, other interesting business news: you have Kava moving to file an IPO. So Kava is a Mediterranean restaurant founded in 2006. They have net sales about 564 million dollars back in 2022, which is a 94 million dollar delta or greater than the rival Sweetgreen. And you have Sweetgreen filing an IPO in 2021. I was a little disappointed they didn't give any homage to Zoe's Kitchen, which Kava acquired, I want to say, 24 months ago. Zoe's Kitchen was a great Mediterranean restaurant headquartered in Plano, Texas. And their salmon kebabs were to, more to die for. It was like fast food, but healthy. And I still reminisce about those, those great salmon kebabs and steak kebabs to this day. And yes, I've tried Kava, and I know it's cliche to say, but it's not the same. So quickly after they acquired them, the first six months, I want to say they rebranded all the stores. So now if you go anywhere, Sony's Kitchen is gone. It's all Kava. Now, it'll be interesting to see how they able to expand. They currently have about 300 locations across the U.S. And by the end of the decade, or sorry, at the end of the year, their the goal is to be at 300. But they, within a decade, they want to be at 1,000 stores. Or Now... They also noted that the chain is not yet profitable, but those losses are getting smaller, smaller partially because they did buy a huge rival, Zoe's Kitchen. And acquisitions of that size are not cheap. So it'll be interesting to see how long, or if the IPO just raising all that money, getting the cash infusion, will that be enough to make them profitable and then reinvest and expand the store locations? But time shall tell, it'll be interesting to see if they go to the brick and mortar concept where you actually walk in and sit down, or if they go for the micro... Like they, they call them micro kitchens, in which there's no place to see, sit. They just create the food there and they ship it out via all those apps. And you could spend $50, $60 on a lunch, which, again, not to be a fiscal genius, that's not prudent in any way, personally. But that's just me. Now, other interesting business news you have Blue Origin winning a $3.4 billion contract with NASA. Blue Origin is Jeff Bezos' aerospace company, rival to SpaceX. And the contract specifically is to build a lunar lander to take astronauts to the moon. Is this going to be a part of NASA's Artemis B, or sorry, 5 mission? Again, American education, not the best. A kid, kind of, not really. But it's scheduled for 2029, and the lunar lander will collect astronauts from a NASA outpost orbiting the moon, take them back down to the lunar surface, and then bring them back up again. Now, it's pretty interesting and especially noteworthy because for couple of years, SpaceX has been killing it in terms of just winning all these NASA contracts. It's the only way they're able to stay in business. They're the first private company to prevail and have such a big business achievement. The only company that came close in history in the United States was Beale Aerospace, headquartered out of Plano, at least the parent company, Beale Bank, headquartered out of Plano, Texas. B-E-A-L, Beale Aerospace. It got pretty close, but again, it just took up more and more resources and it was just difficult and not profitable at the time. I mean, Elon, fiscally as well as business-wise, was able to knock it out of the park with their new designs and the new team that they'd be able to put together, and they would have win those NASA contracts, which, of course, made the company profitable and able to expand the company. Because you only lose money for so long. Well, unless you're the U.S. government. But I digress. Now, other interesting business news. You have Disney. Their Star Wars hotel is shutting down. It was only open for about a year. And... Who, who could have possibly who could have possibly guessed that people didn't want to spend twenty grand for a two night stay for a voyage or a experience? 
which I know when it comes to retail or any business, really, the customer experience is key. True. At a certain price point, though, it is astronomically infeasible to have a mass market adoption. After a certain price point, the masses cannot afford it. There's a reason not. There's a reason why not every American drives a Rolls Royce. It's fiscally expensive beyond the price point of the average wage earner or average employee. Same thing with the Star Wars hotel. They thought people were going to pay tens of thousands of dollars to sit in this hotel and reminisce about the cult. I mean, the culture of Star Wars. And they even had some rooms going for five. I love how these. It's not six thousand. It's five thousand nine hundred ninety-nine dollars. Not including taxes and fees. And by the end of 22, they were already offering 50% off discounts, which in terms of any brand, that just makes you look like, like, it makes you look desperate, weak, and you don't stand behind the value of your product. There are certain things where the industry allows discounting and you don't seem perceived as lower quality. I think in terms of anecdotally, just think about retail and what products are on flash sales or you have really big discounts. I think clothing comes to mind. A lot of people go to the store specifically for hunting for bargains or bargain hunting. But if you look at regular items, I mean, you think of, you know, cell phones. I mean, just most consumables, you look for a deal. Like, you know, 5% off, 10% off, that's great. But the best brands or the most premium brands don't do that. And there's a reason. Now, they offer this thing as a premium experience, and they have the lightsabers for going for like eight hundred to a thousand dollars, which I find viscerally disgusting because they don't look—they don't actually work. You can't actually cut anything; it's just a light pole. Very disappointing and false advertising, some might say, because you can't actually cut anything with lightsaber. They perhaps make that funny sound, but a lot of people are noting in the comment sections. It was so. The public perception behind this business move was so bad. They had a YouTube video talking about, this is the experience, come to our Disney environment. And architecturally speaking, it was quite impressive. I have architects in my family and I, I, can, I can appreciate good design and they did complement the theme quite appropriately. But again, that price point just made it ridiculous. One night at that Star Wars hotel cost more than a week of going to Disney World or Disneyland, whatever one it is. And it won awards for being artistic and fancy, but again, if you put the price point so high, you just, the regular consumer cannot afford it. And I know Disney in itself is a religion, so people will sacrifice darn near anything, including morals, to continue to support those institutions, such as the Star Wars. But at the end of the day, during, again, 40-year high inflation, a lot of uncertainty in the market, businesses are, they don't know what the heck's going to go on with the debt ceiling with the government further just say kick the can down the road where they actually cut or actually decrease how much they're spending there's a lot of uncertainty in the market so for the average folks one of the simplest things to cut are luxury goods and luxury experiences and again no one needs to go to a hotel themed after star wars it's i just i can't think of a dumber or more imprudent use of twenty thousand dollars than staying in a hotel for two nights. Unless it came with a car or you own the hotel. Like, to me, someone who's fiscally prudent, it just seems astronomically just silly, beyond all belief. It's just ridiculous. Speaking of ridiculous, 
Going on to the culture part of the podcast. Now, one of the biggest headlines you've seen lately is Bud Light and their marketing ineptitudes. Alyssa will go down in history. This is bigger than New Coke in terms of how much money they're bleeding. $11 billion in stock value just gone. And today, again, they dropped another 1%. And again, it doesn't sound like a lot, but when your company is worth billions upon billions of dollars, those single percentages add up. Now, the first cultural note, they decided to get involved in political political conversations by endorsing a trans activist whose main audience is children. So the feds are investigating them because you're not supposed to do that if you're a beer company. I know in the argument section, you'll say it's such watered down p- piss water, some might say, that it technically isn't beer, but from a legal perspective, it is a beer. And it's been sitting on the shelves so long, the cultural backlash from the left and the right, everyone, has been so bad, they have to buy back their beer. That means their product is expiring on store shelves. If you read any book on retail, and I would say not half of my shelf, well, half of my bookshelf is actual business books. I'd say about 30% are a lot of the retail books, everything from Stan Walton, uh, I think I got Home Depot, a couple of my favorites. But one of the metrics in a retail environment is shelf life of a product, how long is that product on your shelf? The longer it's on the shelf, the worse it is, because guess what? The most expensive real estate in the world, some joke, is a Walmart shelf space, because it is a premium place to be. Many The foot traffic is very high, as in how many people go to the store. So the store managers, everyone in the store is wondering, how long has that product been on the shelf? Just like when you buy a car, a negotiating tactic is, how long has that been on your lot? Because the longer it's been on the lot, the more they're paying, because they don't own the car, they're, pay, they're financing the car. I digress. So the Bud Light beer has been on the shelf so long, it's expiring. So last week, they tried to give it away with a rebate that was, I believe, one cent less than the cost of the beer. So it's like a $20 rebate on a $19.99 beer. Granted, you had to pay 10% for sales tax, but they couldn't use a rebate to give it away. And again, their sales have dropped 26%. The stock is 10.4% down in the past 30 days. So they're telling distributors, hey, we're, we're trying to turn the ship around. We're going to buy back all this expired beer. So in terms of a business perspective, that way the cost is not, the onus of the cost is not on the retailer or the distributor, which from their perspective is better than a net negative. So it is helping that part of the ecosystem of who buys the beer, who supports the beer. And they also are saying they're going to have a new marketing campaign and team up with a veteran organization, which again, is trying to use the same emotional rhetoric they has worked in the past. But it's such a cliche, they're just, to, in order to fix this situation where they pissed off, again, the left and the right in the middle, they're gonna just paint a can camo, you know, a camo aluminum can, that'll fix the problem, we'll give money to veterans. And they also said they're gonna focus on the themes of football and country music, which, again, that was your core market, that was your core audience, that was your core consumer, before you pissed them all off. And you tried to pivot to a different market, that different market, is smaller for now. You, I, I don't know if Alyssa Heitrichsirald was just an activist or the, the former marketing manager at, or VP of marketing. She claimed to be the first woman in the industry to do that. Not a great um, business outcome to advertise now. $11 billion loss in valuation. But you went after this new market, which was smaller for now. You think maybe there's thinking in 50 years they'll be bigger, but again, they made that business decision. But after they made that decision, 
they then tried to pivot back to the middle where they gave that political statement that it was such an ambiguous political statement from the CEO. They basically just said, hey, we just want to brew beer. We don't want to be part of political conversation. Well, you shot yourself in the foot. You chose to. And in that statement, and by not standing with that activist, the people on the left now are extremely irate with Bud Light. So I don't know why they're trying to go back to football country music thinking to gain those followers back or gain those consumers back. But it's, again, just interesting to see the cultural decisions they've tried to make. Now, other interesting cultural news, you have Bud Light, again, losing their 100% rating from the LGBTQ IA community and again this is coming as Texas Senator Ted Cruz announces a probe into determining if the company broke advertising guidelines around sponsoring someone whose primary audience is underage. Now they lost their 100% rating because they did not choose to stand with Dylan Mulvaney the trans activist who targets whose main audience is children and the nation it says specifically the nation's largest gay advocacy group is known as the and again this uh throughout my research these are all new terms for me so this one is called the human the human rights campaign which is very sounds very inclusive but they for my research they focus on very specific things now they issue a corporate equality index to rate companies on their policies towards workers in the lgbtq community they told the belgian-based company they will slash their perfect score according to a letter that was recently leaked. Now, that score is going to have a very, the ripple effect from this is going to be pretty big. Now, people think that a company's only customer is the people who buy the product nowadays, thanks to investment firms, activists, and protest boycotting. The end user seems to become ignored more and more. Now, when I talk about the situation, Eric Blowem, the HRC's Senior Director of Programs and Corporate Advocacy, said, quote, Anheuser Bush has a key moment to really stand up and demonstrate the importance of their values of diversity, e- equity, and inclusion, and their response really fell short, unquote. Again, the issue here was targeting kids. I, Very few people I know have issues with Bud Light having a gay pride month, as every company does these days. But again, the person they chose to have as a brand ambassador, again, if you're a brand ambassador, it's a huge responsibility, not like fiscally you're getting paid to just stand there with a picture, but you're embodying the brand, you're signing, they're, it's looking as if you sign off on what they do and they sign off on what you do. That is the appearance. I don't care what the contracts say. I don't care what the nuances are. That's a public perception of the situation. And again, the average audience member is 15 years old. And previously, Anheuser Bush had a 100% score on this index. Index was scored on four criteria. There were protection from workplace discrimination, inclusive benefits, corporate social responsibility, and responsible citizenship, which the last one just sounds like you allow your place to go vote. I did not dive down into this as much as I thought I was going to. Now, as a result, it used to be boasted as the quote unquote best places to work for the LGBTQ plus community equality seal. Now that's a quote. I don't know why they missed the I and the A. So inconsistency in branding is an issue. And the human rights campaign said they have 90 days to respond. Strictly from a business perspective of this 
cultural fascinating situation there's a reason all these businesses are acquiescing acquiescing to these brands they're just doing or to these groups it's because one if these groups give them a bad score they will be boycotted like no tomorrow and the left historically speaking much more proficient at organizing campaigning and executing boycotting actual they'd be able to execute the actual plans much more proficiently much more efficiently than the folks on the right the bud light phenomenon is very unique in the fact that in my lifetime it's the first time people on the right actually got their shit together pardon the french but it's the first time they actually get their stuff together and boycott something to actually impact sales but again if bud light if they do nothing they lose that score if they lose that score they're going to be ridiculed they're going to be boycotted even more from that group of people and again another thing you have to think about is the money now a lot of businesses this perhaps might be uh let me know in the comments if you want me to do a whole episode just on the fiscal ripple effect of esg scores and social governance scores and these types of ratings it doesn't just affect their day-to-day operations it affects their bottom line in terms of investments so a lot of companies like blackrock and other investment holding companies they'll invest in companies specifically because of their eg or uh, i was going to say wrong acronym there's so many these days but esg scores or these scores people will work there because of these scores some people might not work there because of those scores but it's driving their finances and their employment now interestingly enough another reason the left is winning a culture war people on the right don't have these types of scores like again this is not Maybe this is an original idea, but if you're on the right, why don't you have a Patriot score or something to talk about how companies actually stand behind the First Amendment, the Second Amendment. Do a rating like that. Maybe these companies will start to care about those morals and values that they used to hold so dear or people used to hold so dear. But right now, this is going to hurt their business in many ways. So in terms of that score, and it's very important for the business to have that score because they'll get better loans, they'll get more investments into the company. Their stock is bleeding right now. They need people to buy their stock. And a lot of folks, uh, it's been put on hold in terms of a lot of these stock analysis will say if you should buy, help, sell, or hold a, a stock. And it's not a sell yet, but they're saying to hold. So that means they're telling people this is not the time to buy this stock. And the stock's plummeting. So time shall tell to see how, how wide does this ripple effect go and what do they do? Because, again, this is a self-inflicted wound. They chose this brand ambassador. Then they chose, they made the decisions they made. And it's all self-inflicted. They can't, they put themselves uniquely in an impossible-to-win situation. Unless, even Kevin O'Leary, there's many fiscal as well as business analysts are looking at the situation and wondering, how do they fix this? Because you pissed off everyone. And if you try to make, the United States is becoming more and more um, divided, unfortunately. But by default, in many ways, if you appease, appease one party or one side of the aisle politically, you're going to directly alienate the other side. So time shall tell to see how they pull themselves off from the situation. But again, it goes to show not every business needs to be taking cultural stands and being involved culturally with social and political issues. And you can say all you want, this is a political issue. It's very very much along political ideology, ideological lines and people are voting with their wallet. And again, they didn't have to do this. They make 
beer, which if they just said nothing, they would have been doing, if they did nothing, they would have had better sales than this. Time shall tell to see what they decide to do. Now, going on to the political part of the podcast, you have yet another reason why every business and every person should understand what's going on politically. And if you're perhaps a prudent decision actually to be involved politically. Now, you have the European Union finding Meta, which is, again, it's Facebook. They're finding them $1.3 billion, which is a whole lot of money. Although, it's not going to hurt them. So I just, quick Google search or Brave search. So $1.3 billion is the fine. So last year, their profit was about 91, or it was about, it's precisely $91.36 billion. Which begs the question, why are they going to... Now, they claim they're going to appeal this, but at the end of the day, why? I, I It probably would be the long-term cost of the data or the value of the data that but in terms of fiscally speaking they're just going to write it off as a task as a business expense now they're ordered to quote stop transferring users personal information across the atlantic by october the latest salvo is a decade-long case sparked by the u.s uh, cyber stooping fears now the penalty of 1.2 billion euros is the largest in eu's strict policy history and it's the longest since, it took that, since they instituted these policies of about five years ago. It recently, this surpasses Amazon's fine. Amazon's fine was 746 million euros back in 2021 for their data protection violations. So again, if you're doing business in another country, which unfortunately these days, you have to have a lot of resources in terms of, you have to have an army of lawyers to understand what are the nuances to all those laws to make sure you comply with them, or maybe you get involved in lobbying and you lobby to overturn or move or change the laws. But in terms of politics, you have to be involved. Now, other interesting political news, you have TikTok suing the state of Montana. Not too surprising, we kind of saw this, saw the writing on the walls last week when the governor of the state actually signed off on a bill that the state legislature had passed. And he said, we're gonna ban this. And it was very unique in the fact that this is the first time it's been banned for users. So many states, I believe about 25, 26 states, correct me in the comments if I'm wrong. So they've all passed bans on federally owned devices, which how the hell is that not 50 states or how is that not something that every, there's always the question of whose allegiances are behind political parties, but why wouldn't everyone say, yes, this is a Chinese spyware. There's no reason for federal employees who again should be working for a living, not making videos and absorbing garbage on TikTok. Again, there's probably 1% good content on there you could actually learn from and become a better person. I'm very pessimistic in that regard. 1% might be too much, probably less than that. But nevertheless, you have the brand or the company, they're just gonna sue them, even though it's you know Chinese-owned social media app, and they're gonna try to overturn it. Now, TikTok said that they filed a lawsuit Monday seeking to overturn Montana's law and they're arguing that the law is unconstitutional because it is a violation of, quote, free speech and rights based on the unfounded unfounded speculation that the Chinese government could access users' data, which is ridiculous. Everyone knows they already can. ByteDance, the, the parent company in China, directly involved, it would be ridiculous. Yeah, no one believes that they're not connected. And by law, 
they have to be in communication with each other. Not our law, that's the law across the pond or way over the seas in China. The government has, and there's not even a, there's a joke about IT cybersecurity in China where the government, there's not even firewalls between the government and businesses. Firewall, think of it as being a Brita filter for your IT. Filters out the bad, the spam, and the spies, rudimentary speaking. But yeah, I, I don't see that getting overturned. Now, this law does not actually punish individuals. It goes to the app host companies. So think of the Google App Store and the Apple App Store. It's saying you can, if you're geographically, if your users are in that area or that state, you can't have it hosted there. Because again, it's just garbage spyware. There's plenty of other times, so other ways you can waste your life. You don't have to use something that basically is a direct link to the Chinese government. Time shall tell us if it gets overturned. Given that they're owned by a foreign entity, that's the big linchpin of why I don't think it'll get overturned. So time shall tell to see how it works out. Now, going on to the business blunder of the day, you have Target. And this is this is the first of many business blunders that they're coming up with. Now, the most recent one is they're going to recall 4.9 million candles. So that's a lot of beeswax. Now Fun fact, if you don't know where wax comes from usually, but this is due to the fact that the jars can crack and break, which of course can cause burns and lacerations. So the target had received 137 reports of the jars cracking and breaking. And of that, they had six reported injuries, which I don't know how many of that, a lot of people like money. I, I'm always pessimistic when you hear about these things because I don't know how, if a candle's, I don't know, I'm one of those people where if a candle's, lit how close are you to it and how is it going to break and hurt you but again it's a big business blunder because that's a lot of quantity they have to recall and it includes all the varieties you know from the 5.5 ounce one week one wick candles to the 14 ounce three wick candles what was the last one there's a bunch of this and a 20 ounce three wick candles wow that's a lot of that's a lot of candles ranging from all the scents warm cider to cinnamon to ocean air and mossy and many more. So no one's died, so I don't think the joke is too ill will, so to say, but those scents are not worth, they're not to die for, I wouldn't say. And the candles cost anywhere between $3 and $20, sold from August 2019 to last March. I don't know if there should be, I know there's not a statute of limitations for product recalls, but how do you have a candle for 19, 20, how do you have a candle for years and never use it? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not the demographic of candles. I'm a guy. I don't buy candles. I, I understand this isn't targeted towards me. Targeted being the company, somewhat pun intended. But, yeah, they're saying you could ship them back to the store with a prepaid label. Who the hell would do that? How much time do you have to have on your hands where you go, I'm going to return this and get a, I don't even know, get, get store credit from that? Uh, obviously, just throw it away. What's your time worth? But to have such a big business blunder where, again, when you're a retailer and you're selling many products, one of the most important things is you stand by your products. It's basically your seal of approval. And one of my favorite in terms of retail experiences is Brownells. They're a Iowa-based online firearm accessory manufacturer firearm, or manufacturer, they're a reseller as well as firearms. And they have a no BS policy. So if you buy a product and 20 years later it breaks, they'll warranty it. 
has unprecedented quality control and it's exceptional customer service. And they do a great job vetting their things so that things don't break. And you have Target, again, their brand has already been damaged for political reasons as well as the hack many years ago, cybersecurity attack. But to have such a big recall of all those candles and you didn't just test it by lighting it and just, you know, I know it's probably as boring as watching paint dry or watching, you know, CNN, but to just have that candle and just not realize, oh yeah, let's, let's put this in a room, we'll test it out, make sure it works, make sure the glass isn't too thin as companies are trying to cut cost just to keep up with inflation and all of the fun things governments cost. Nevertheless, that is the business blunder of the day. Thank you so much for taking time to tune in today. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and comment. Each one of those things greatly helps the channel out. Also appreciate the critique. Also, don't forget to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers, heck, tell your enemies, tell anyone and everyone to stay safe, fight the good fight.